Now, I call this the hairdresser clothes. That's how I met my first hairdresser. He came up to me and just looked at me and in shock and horror, he goes, oh, my God, who did this to you? <laughs> and right? I'm like, what? He goes, come tomorrow, I fix. Salesmarketingprofit.com. Real world case studies. No theory, just real results. You're listening to SMP with James Schramko and Taki Moore. James Schramko here. Welcome to Sales Marketing Profit. This is episode two. And of course, I have my fantastic co host, Taki Moore. G'day, Ben. Hey, brother. How are you? Very good. Wasn't it fun hanging out at the beach yesterday doing your <laughs> photo shoot? Dude, that was possibly the most uh, awkward day I've had in years. Uh, I'm not normally the uh, you know, the dude in front of the camera being wardrobed and uh, directed by photographers. It was kind of odd. But hey, thanks for uh, jumping in at the last minute and lending me a pink surfboard and a, uh, a MacBook Air to use as props. Appreciate that. My pleasure. I don't think there's much more awkward than lying in one-inch water <laughs> in possibly the most aggressive surf region of this beach <laughs> on well, a dude, pink got, board. You've, you've yeah, got it nailed. Yeah, I totally nailed it. Uh, frankly, I've had bubble baths with more foam and wash than uh, I did yesterday, so uh, it was pretty funny. Right. Well, we're going to get stuck into it. This is all meat this episode. We're going to be revealing a case study. Today, it's my turn to put the spotlight on a member of my mastermind and to see the before and after scenario and see what lessons that contains so that we can implement this in our own business. Are you ready to roll? Yeah, I totally am. Before we jump into the case study, Matt, can I just say I'm loving the format and it feels like other people are too. I love that we're not doing theory and it's not just, you know, two talking heads who just crap on about stuff. I've got so much, you know, so many comments on my Facebook feed and I know from yours as well, uh, people just loving that it's real one case study per episode dissected and unpacked. It's just it's it's what's re- what really goes on and people people have been commenting that they love the fact that there's no hype and there's no BS, it's just what's actually working. Oh, well, thank you for mentioning that. I, I agree. We were not 100% certain. People said before we put the show out that they were really looking forward to it. But I am, because I'm a marketer, I'm wary of the phenomenon called preference and performance, where people say one thing but then do something different. Yep. The proof is in the downloads, and we'll cover that in the news and comment section. So that'll be really interesting. But for now, I want to share a story with you from one of my members, Greg. And Greg Merrilies, uh, coincidentally, is actually the guy who designed our logo, and he's designed my Silver Circle site, and he's designed your site. So the guy's coming pretty well endorsed as a designer. Totally. But there's challenges when you're an expert at something, especially if you're a specialist. And I know that this should resonate with a lot of our listeners. When I met him, he had a design studio. In fact, the way I met him was a whole make marketing case study. He was sending me revised designs for my other podcast, Think at Get. And initially, we sort of said, oh, we're fine. Thanks, Greg. I didn't know this guy. Mm. And we rejected it. But he sent through more. He was very persistent. And finally, you know, Ezra and I said, you know what? These designs are actually pretty good. And we gave it to my web team who coded out the site. And then the new Think at Get was done. And then we got T-shirts and everything. And I said, you know what, Greg? There's a whole business in this. You're missing out a whole side of the market. He's been running a graphic design business for 14 years. And he's mainly been servicing wholesalers in the fashion industry in Australia. And right. of course, the wholesale market's getting squeezed out by retailers. 
So he's in this market that's having more and more competition, less dollars available for people to spend. Mm. At the same time, he's got more talent than one man should possess. So he was running it out of a traditional office just like normal business. He had four full-time, that's full wage, full fringe benefits, everything designers in-house and he had a tiny profit, if any, over the last two years after his humble wage. So I know that this is a very typical scenario for the small business owner. And then, of course, his overheads put him into debt when the income dropped off seasonally. So a couple of months of the year, all his wholesale customers in the fashion industry just turn off. They basically switch off over certain periods and he's got no income, so he has to dip into loans to pay the, the bills, you know, the office and the staff. And he's got a young family. He was very stressed and he didn't really know what to do next. But people like me saying, Greg, you've got so much talent. You could be doing so much more with the T-shirts, with the designs. He basically felt like well, there must be something more. But it was like, what is it? Where do I go from here? And that's where he joined Silver Circle. And I'm going to share some of the things that I taught. Greg. Yeah. Just before you do, I reckon that's a really common phenomenon. Like people who are listening to this podcast probably have, you know, either either kind of well on the path or at the place where they, you know, they're not happy with how it is, but just know that it could be better. Like a lot of people are really, really clear that it's not as good as it could be and it should be better somehow, but just have no idea of the path. And I'm super stoked that, you know, in this case, kind of Greg come to you and, and we're about to unpack the path. But I just think, I just wanted to kind of jump in and say that's really common. The it should be better. I know it's not good enough. And you've got a sense of how it might look when it's done, but don't have the the steps. I think it's kind of it's really normal. So if you feel like that, yeah, you, you know, I guess welcome to the club. Everyone's been there. Well, that's it. And what we do is we just start unpacking all the assumptions and saying, right, well, how did we get into this situation where we have an office, full time staff, and these customers, and what can we change? So I taught Greg this capacity marketing seesaw concept that I love, and that sure. is so teach it to me. Okay, so. The typical service business runs out of capacity at some yeah. point and capacity is simply the ability to fulfill. And of course, you and I have discovered that the online world is, it gives you capacity leverage, you know, mm. adding more emails to your autoresponder doesn't make you run out of capacity. But he had a capacity constraint by the number of designers he had. He had the capacity constraint because of the size of his office and Basically, he was doing a lot of the work himself, So, which is very common. The, the typical entrepreneur is hanging on to jobs they shouldn't be hanging on to. Totally. Basically, you can't raise your marketing until you can increase your capacity because if you start marketing before you have capacity, what happens is you get people wanting your stuff, but you can't deliver, so they start to get unhappy. It puts strain on everything that you've got. So one of the great discoveries I had was, well, if we just lift capacity, suddenly we've got the ability to drive more marketing. And then, of course, we can fulfill. So the whole revenue goes up. And if mm. we structure it right, the profit goes up too. It's like a rising tide just floating the boat. So we looked at how could we achieve a result for Greg in this area. One of the things was I said, why do you have an office? And he, he said, well, which is probably like a completely unchallenged assumption. Like, well, I have an office because because everyone's got an office. Is probably what he said, right? <laughs> That's it. So we worked through that, and one of the big changes we made was he sold his office. Hmm. He actually sold the office and took that money and invested it into his superannuation. 
which is in America they call a 401k. I like how uh, someone commented that we speak funny. Well, we don't. (laughs) Yeah, these guys talk funny, but the content's good was the actual. (laughs) We don't talk funny. Everyone else does. He also switched from full-time to contract workers because I said, why don't you just pay your staff for what you need but not have to rent roll them through these two months of off-season work? And that basically just cut his uh, overheads but also his commitment to having to fund this. So what happened was he was now able to open up to different supply because he doesn't have an office and he's going remote. So he actually has now got six designers working remotely from around Australia and offshore. So he started hiring in different countries Mm. because if you don't have an office, well, of course, the world is your office. So he also works remotely now. He works from home. He loves not having the traffic, not having to basically burn that time sitting in a car and he's spending time with the family. So his whole personal happiness has increased. His strain and debt has decreased. He still designs for fashion clients. However, that's now only a fraction of his business because he's actually gone into the web design side of the business. He does t-shirts and does stuff for big heavy hitters using the strategy I taught him, which is send a t-shirt to famous people. He's designed t-shirts for Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, me, Ezra Firestone, and, and so on. So his marketing strategy is to get a foot in the door with a high quality design. And now he's working behind the scenes with some huge companies. I can't even tell you the name because it's a, a privacy situation, but big contacts. Now, where did he get the contacts? He got them through people like me. Mm. And this is an important marketing lesson. If you have good customers, like better customers than his old customers, and I would say the online marketing customers are substantially better customers for him than his wholesale supply customers, the best way to find them is to join a group where they're hanging out and to make yourself known to that group. So referrals have been a top marketing channel for Greg. And then, of course, once he does good work, the quality speaks for itself and people naturally say, Hey, Taki, who designs your site? James, who does your site? Where do you get those T-shirts from? Where do you get those logos? So it grows. Mm. But because he's now got a bigger team, he's on contract basis and he's global, he can now serve a bigger market. One of the branding and and marketing lessons that I also showed him was to – as he's changed his ability to serve a different market, changed the way that his company is positioned. And we went from a really crappy hyphenated.com.au domain to a really sweet .com. And I helped him actually buy it. We went through a process of, of bartering with the person selling the domain, but he ended up snagging studio1design.com instead of his old domain. And he noticed an immediate change in the perception of his company being a dot-com and the ease that people were able to look it up versus the old hyphenated domain. So pay attention to the way that your website is uh, able to be described to someone over the telephone. Totally. Uh, James, uh, permission to jump in just for a quick second and ask a couple of questions. Absolutely. So um, just in that last little piece about his domain, you, you said two things which kind of pricked up my ears. The first one is you, you helped him come up with a better name. And number two, you helped him you know, bargain and get a good deal on the domain. And so I know that you know, most people have a degree of website shame uh, about them, but like even just choosing the right domain name can be tricky for people. Do you have any tips for either the naming part? If you do, it'd be great to get a couple of them. And number two, uh, any tips on how to get a better deal on a domain that you like that somebody else owns? Yeah, a couple of points on that. 
One is most of the good domains are taken. So be prepared to buy a domain secondhand and be prepared to spend a few thousand dollars if it's worth that much to you. Mm-hmm. In his case, his business is called Studio One Design. So it made so much sense for him to own studio1design.com, but he didn't. And I thought, well, man, so many people are going to be looking for you and you're not where you need to be. Yeah. So it's worth a lot more to you than it is to whoever's sitting on it. The second rule of thumb is if you happen to type in a domain and you want to buy it and it's for sale, generally, you'll pick it up for about half the asking price. Because How? There's, there's not that many people out there trying to buy these domains right now. So you put in a reasonable bid that is fair and not stupid. Like if they're asking $4,000, you don't send them a $50 offer. Offer them 500 bucks or 1000 bucks and show them that you're serious and don't be in a hurry to buy it and have backup. If you can have a similar domain or be bidding on several domains at once, then it creates competition and it means that the person selling it to you has to compete now. So actually, I went through the whole buying process on my other podcast called Kicking Back for this particular example uh, uh, with with kickingback.com. It was a really good domain. It was exactly what I wanted for my podcast and I went out and bought it. But I also had backup. I had different domains already registered that I could use if I couldn't get the one that I wanted and I didn't appear desperate as a buyer. So these are just some basic negotiation tips. But my main thing was to convince Greg, who just to put you back into his frame of mind, was borrowing to get through the seasonal dip, had office expenses. And then I'm saying, Greg, you've got to buy this domain for thousands of dollars. Of course, he hadn't bought it up until then because that wasn't something on his mind. But then on a roll, he went and bought successshirt.com, which is where he sells T-shirts to marketers with their brand and he splits the profit with them. Mm. So it's a really cool business model. And of course, his confidence increase, he gets more knowledge about the online marketing and he builds a sales funnel that works. And this is the thing. Now that he's shed the office and he's gone to contractors, which are scalable, you literally scale team members and he's on an ongoing hiring mission. He can now increase his marketing funnel because he can deal with the, the supply of it. So, And his stuff is so good. Like I had a conversation with him, I don't know, three days ago and I said, Greg, you did something that really upset me and he being a really nice guy he jumped in and said well you know i'm really sorry taki what did i do and how can i fix them like no he didn't do anything bad but he said he was really kind of stoked to be working with me and offered me you know a little a little but kind of yeah, thoughtful and meaningful discount i said dude here's the thing i like i don't want the discount i i want i want you to know how much i value your stuff it's world class and it deserves to be paid so can you change the invoice and and can i pay you full price please like, his stuff is completely amazing and i've referred him you know two or three people just yesterday and today so and it's and i've had the same conversation with him and with Ezra as well. We've all agreed to pay him properly because he he tends to uh, be too humble. And this is part of his confidence increase. But here's the thing. He's now making 25 grand a month in profit. Yeah, and I love the way that you measure it by profit, not just by revenue. We look at a few things, right? Revenue's a bit of a myth because – you can have costs that meet that or exceed it. Now, it'll be great to talk about company valuations and saleable businesses, but that's not a reality for all business owners right now. But mm. in his case, to go from sort of break even and then some months losing and then some months ahead to having twenty to $25,000 a month profit, that makes you sleep better at night. And if his work happens to drop off seasonally from the wholesale, then what he can do now is ramp up the online marketing. He can go and get 10 more web design briefs. 
and he's working less, having days off. Like I actually asked him to block out a whole day and just go and watch a movie and don't do any work. And he's conquering these new <laughs> possibilities that before were not possible because no one even said, hey, you can actually question this. So the bottom line, in six months, he's gone from break-even to 25K in a good month and he's got this unlimited upside that he can come in. And all I can see in his future is that more people find out about him, keep trying to order his stuff and he'll just keep growing his team and he'll go from six to eight to 10 to 12 to 20 and he can really dictate his own hours and as long as he keeps the quality control there, he's going to have a wonderful business and eventually it would be saleable because he's going to be doing very little of the actual design stuff. He's more of the conductor of the orchestra than the trombone player. Yeah, well, and nobody wants to be the trombone player, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. how, imagine transporting that thing. And I mean, how many transport. girls did the trombone player pick up in high school, really? I don't know. Yeah, I not many. I think, I think that's the school. answer. <laughs> that's right. Oh, I pity dude. the parents. You know, luckily, my kid's a lead guitarist, and that's kind of cool to carry around. Yeah, 100%. He's totally got it made in the shade. But trombone, I'm like, seriously, come on. Right, so what we try to do now is we just see what does all this mean? What are the main lessons learned? What things struck your interest there, Taki? Yeah, I've got a whole bunch of notes. I've been scribbling down on my iPad and I'm happy to kind of show you the drawings afterwards, but a couple, a couple of kind of key themes, maybe kind of four or five key themes. The first thing is, you know, our podcast is called Sales, Marketing, Profit. And what a lot of people do is sales and marketing is the sexy stuff that everyone's really, really excited about. But you know what? Profit's the part where it really matters. And so in, in Greg's case, in this case study, sales and marketing weren't the challenge up front. It was capacity, right? Well, it's it's actually a chicken and an egg because you're worried about building capacity because you're worried about getting the sales and marketing, right? You think, well, if I hire more people or get a bigger office, what if my seasonal customers go again? Like that was this vicious cycle that was happening, totally. er- eroding his confidence and ability to increase capacity. But as soon as we flicked the office and went to contractors and virtual and global and we went from a .com.au to a .com, suddenly there was this infinite marketing pool available. Now it's like, okay, I'll buy that domain. I'll increase my capacity by hiring more people and suddenly it just translates to pure profit. 100%. I love it. So I think like it was funny. As I was taking notes, I was writing down the lessons and then questions for you know to make this – if this was like a – not just a case study where you learn stuff, but like a case study where you got little bits of homework or questions to ask yourself. Here's a couple. So the first one was, you know, the takeaway for me was um, in some businesses, you know, especially if it's not a scalable model, the, you know, the takeaway is I can't market until I increase my capacity. And so I think a question to ask is if your business kind of doubled or tripled or 10x right now, what would break first? And that's your capacity thing. And so how do we fix that? So that's you know, a question it's, to it's ask. It's so me. funny you say that. That's, that's one of my induction diagnostic questions. Oh, is that right? Yeah. What happens, no what happens when we 10x your business? What breaks? And what breaks? That's because I'm always looking to address, do we have a marketing problem or do we have a capacity problem? Because when we fix one, the other one becomes the problem. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So I think that's so that's the question listen, you know, if you listen to this, if we 10x your business, what would break first? And that, you know, that's the thing to get rid of. So then the, all the marketing and all the selling is going to be, you know, dramatically effective. Otherwise, we're just going to, you know, really kind of bottleneck up the bottleneck even more. So then the second question you asked him was why do you have an office? And you know, if you go what's that really about? What, you know, what does that mean? What that means is where are you spending money on costs which don't make sense now? 
And yeah. the office was, was literally handcuffing him into thinking that that's his market. The geographic local to Melbourne, Australia is his market. Well, yeah, and it, it's funny because it, it locks him in geographically, not just to clients though, but to talent. Absolutely. I'm like, I, well, he can only draw from this hiring pool when there's amazing designers all around the world. Right. I just reread Remote by the Basecamp boys. Yep. And uh, yeah, I mean, one of the huge reasons to go remote is that you access the best talent in the world not just the best, you know, the person who's within a 10-minute drive of your place or 20-minute drive. And both of us use this. My entire team is actually in another country. Yeah, I've got one here, one in New Zealand, and, uh, yeah, the rest offshore. I call New Zealand part of Australia, really, let's be honest. But, yeah, I mean, your whole kind of Team Shramco is all kind of... And and now I have contract designers like Greg. So Yeah, exactly. If Greg's the best designer, then I want Greg working on, on my design and I don't have to have him in my office. Uh, of course you know, don't. So if I can connect to him on the internet, he's available to me and I'm available to him. Exactly. Yeah, what we did it. Got? So, um, so here's, here's something genius. Let's switch from profit for a second to marketing and sales. The, the marketing plan was send a T-shirt to famous people. Yeah. Right? And so this is just a great marketing strategy of find who's the ideal client for this. And the ideal client isn't just someone who could pay for your work, but it's a client who can pay for your work and tell others. Yep. You know, like people like you and me are the ideal client because we'll happily pay for the work and we've got you know, people who desperately want you know, to go, well, who's, who's, who's a great web designer? Well, and we so are we can, like power referrers. Correct. correct. If, if, so, if we refer By the way, something. Yeah. Power referrers, we, uh, we completely, you know, I think Australia overrepresented in the Entreport affiliate deal. <laughs> you know, you got the surfboard you wanted uh, coming third on purpose. I came second. <laughs> I wanted the Vespa and then I uh, – Upgraded. And, you know, upgraded, exactly. Anyway, so I won a mountain bike and then upgraded to Vespa. Thanks, Entreport dudes. Appreciate your, your help a lot. So, yeah, it's like who's the ideal client? And don't just go somebody who can pay me money and like, uh, you know, has a pulse and a checkbook is not okay. That's like a B-grade client. Yeah, who's the perfect client? And who's the perfect you know, client? This is embedded in the last chapter of Jay Abraham's fantastic work called uh, "Getting Everything You Can Out of All You Got." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That great. was the chapter I read when I quit my job. It was like I'm going to write down the perfect client and approach them, and and then not be paid by one person and shackled to this employment. And this is this is what Greg's done. He's literally sent off a fantastic custom-designed T-shirt to people like Perry Marshall and John Lee Dumas and Pat Flynn. And how can you not notice a T-shirt with your brand-new right. design and logo on it from Australia? It's just fantastic. Totally. So, yeah, I think there's two lessons there. There's number one, target the absolute perfect client. But number two, you know, Greg's got this great in, and you might go, well, I don't, I'm not a designer and I don't do T-shirts. But, like, here's the thing. He sent something personalized, relevant, cool, and remarkable. You know, Seth Godin talks about if you want to get remarked about, be remarkable. What? So the question I've got is kind of what's your version? You know, what's your free T-shirt that you can give people? What's your cool free thing that you could send to people as the world's best, you know, business card slash cold, you know, warm introduction? That's it. And, and one just from a, a lumpy mail discussion while we're on this marketing, when someone joins my program, I get sent a task from my CRM system which has the name and address and I send them a silver circle t-shirt in their size and that which Greg designed of course, of course. and when that arrives in the mail it's just a nice bonding sort of part of the clan lock in loyalty appreciation yeah, it's, it's a rite of passage which says you're one of us now so I, I can't tell you how important clothing is 
as or merchandise because people hang on to it and wear it and you see it all over the place. Right. So totally agree. And so if no you think brainer. about you know, the last ten times you went to your letterbox or your mailbox, you know, most people get bills in the letterbox and junk mail, that's all they get. So if you're the person who sends value, you know, either useful content or something, you know, fun, in this in your case a t shirt. In my case, when somebody joins Black Belt, they get a you know box and in there among other things is a white karate belt and a little note saying you can't buy a black belt, you can, you gotta earn it, and here's your first one and here's how to get the next one. That whole, you know, if you're the person who shows up in the letterbox with something cool, I think you'll win every time. And people complain about lumpy mail all the time, oh it costs too much. No, and in a digital world, it's just so valuable. Totally. Even a, even a handwritten note with a stamp is valuable. When I got back from overseas just last week, I got someone sent me a book on surfing, mm-hmm. and I got a voucher for a restaurant in my neighborhood. Just people who, you know, just sending things that they appreciated. I get, I do get sent a lot of things, and I'm super appreciative. And of all the thousands of people, those people, you know, can't help but be noticed. Yeah, I mean, think about it too. Yeah, like your your email inbox is full and your letterbox is empty. So and how about we show why, up there? And why is Greg making twenty five grand a month profit now? Because he sent me a, a website design as a listener. That that was the original. Yeah, marketing he, plan. He led with a free T shirt. In That's that case, it was well, a, it was a, just a logo. Like it was a logo. basically saying, I think your logo should be better. Here's my suggestion. <laughs> he actually did that to me the other day on Skype. He goes, hey, he didn't do that. He said, by the way, I've looked at your coach marketing show, you know, the other podcast uh, logo, and there's something weird about it. Can I have a go? I'm like, mate, of course you can. Be now, stoked. I call this the hairdresser clothes. That's how I met my first hairdresser. He came up to me and just looked at me and in shock and horror, he goes, oh my God, who did this to you? <laughs> and <laughs> Is that right? I'm like, well, he goes, come tomorrow, I fix and is that it, right? The the hairdresser clothes is really just pointing out to someone that what they've got is horrible, yeah. and you can fix it. Totally. <laughs> and uh, unless you fight with them, they're, so they're do, do you get a hair? Do you get like a a cotton? Like do you get like a? Here we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here we go. Search fee? No. No, you don't get a search fee. My dad was uh, was in a school raffle, and he he had he's got less hair than you, and he won a school raffle when I was in primary school, and it was a like a a cotton blow blow dryer something, and somebody from the audience as he goes up to collect his little his raffle ticket prize for the local hairdresser somebody like, it should be a cut and polish and uh <laughs> <laughs> no i've so, yeah. got a great hairdressing supplier all right moving along yep um have you got any more uh points there you've sort of combined our lessons learned with some action steps yeah sorry about that i'm not sure if i'm supposed to do them together or separately just kind hey, of man, when like you're at this that's fine yeah yeah we totally are. i got my training wheels on yeah so the, the just to kind of summarize the takeaways that it was you know, fix capacity first. If that's going to be an issue that's going to stop you from marketing, let's fix capacity first. Number two, where are we spending money on things which we don't need to in today's world? And that's kind of office, maybe it's full time, et cetera. You know, what's your capacity? If, if we doubled or 10x, what would break first? And then how do we get rid of that? So I call this question everything. Perfect. Just basically go through every single thing that you have right now in your business and, and question. The, why do we when, do that? And do we still well, yeah. why it's like a, It's actually a stop, start, continue. continue. Yeah, yeah. It's indeed. Totally is. Then identify your ideal perfect client, not your B or your C grade, be your A grade client, and send them a free T-shirt. Yeah, you know, metaphorically. And then there was just some really good tips, dude, on grabbing. You know, it's worth investing in the right domain name. And then some tips on how to, you know, how to get a better deal. You know, don't have to pay, you know, retail when you can when you can pay what it's, you know. Well, I think you know, looking at uh, my members, I've actually helped a good portion of them buy a better domain, and if, if several cases have helped them buy their own name. Which was taken by someone else, and be prepared to spend a few thousand dollars because a good premium dot com, especially a two word or 
um, or your name is worth more to you than anyone else in the world and don't don't worry about it. It's a, probably a tax-deductible purchase. And and it's an investment that's going to pay off forever, so stick here to grab it. Yeah, grab it. Okay. Love that. Now, we should just do a little shout-out to our comments from listeners because um, we actually have some now. This is episode <laughs> number two. That's right. Uh, we launched to the world uh, just last week. And I think it was on Wednesday. Right. Well, much to our own amazement, we got a new and noteworthy in Australia and then we hit number one for business marketing category. And then in Australia, we went which was awesome. To number one for all business. And then, my friend, we hit number one for all podcasts, all categories, which means we were the number one podcast in the whole of Australia, which which is just dude, first time a, it's happened for me. Uh, well, dude, first podcasts. time it's happened for me. I was completely stoked. And uh just thrilled to bits to be part of a cool project like this, sharing some of our best stuff with people and just loving that people loved it back, you know? Yeah, so we just want to say a heartfelt thank you. We're not going to uh, wax on about it, but we, we did hit business marketing number one in the UK and in Canada and the USA, our, our prime markets and Australia. So we literally had the number one business marketing podcast and we… On day two. Yeah, we got up to, to three for all of business in the UK and fifth in all of business for the USA, proving, actually disproving a lot of the commonly held theory. I know there's whole podcasting clubs and all this sort of stuff that tell you you need to launch six episodes at once and blah, blah, blah. And I've seen people cling to their th- thread of, you know, oh, new and noteworthy. Really what you need to do is have an amazing show premise and when you launch your first episode, support it with your own house email list, which both Taki and I did, and that was enough to drive that result. But the interesting thing is we've now had other people endorsing our podcast, not as affiliates for commission, but because they wanted to share this to help their community. And I think you've got an example of such. Yeah, yeah. Man, this is completely blew me away. I saw it yesterday on my way back from the world's uh, smallest surf. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed by that dude. I, like, I'm just going to go with it and embrace it right now. Pink surfboard in one foot of foam. It was hilarious. So this is great dude. He lives in Malta. I've met him once. Matthew Kimberley. He's a, just a genius marketer, really smart cat, just a, and a, just a, a really great guy. He writes a daily email, I believe, and they're just he's just one of the best writers I know. So completely un... Like we didn't ask him to. There was nothing in it for him. He sent an email through his whole database about our episode. Can I just read it? I think this is kind of cool. This is a marketing example and and I just want to premise this with the fact that when I started putting more effort into podcasting, my goal – and I switched off my affiliate program. My goal was to make good enough content that people want to share it, not because they're bribed or pimping it or because they're going to get paid for their comments, but because they genuinely believe it. That's the benchmark that I wanted to reach. And this is the best example of that from a marketing perspective. So the, the key lesson that you and I have talked about is I really don't think that you can give away too much out to the marketplace when you're doing something like a podcast. Just just put your heart and soul into it because yeah, lead with your best stuff. Yeah, it'll, it'll pay back. Yeah, I mean, dude, we've got we could podcast for three years and not scratch it. You know, one percent of what we've got to share with our clients, but we're just going to you know, bring our A game every time we do this. So here's this email from Matthew, and it's got hey, the, the subject line is forty two minutes of audio gold inside. Just hey, if you can find forty two minutes this weekend to listen to this podcast episode from Taki Moore and James Shramko, then it'll be forty two minutes incredibly well spent. 
Uh, that's not an affiliate link. It's just a straight-up recommendation and a strong one at that. I was listening to it in the car while I was on my way to pick up Sam from school and had to pull over to take notes. I've listened to it twice since. Um, Taki and James talk about quite a lot in the short podcast, specifically about marketing and selling, including how to structure a sales conversation, episode one, step-by-step, and how to get people happy to have the sales conversation in the first place. You wouldn't be disappointed if you'd paid him a couple of grand for this insight, uh, for this advice, but it's entirely free and you don't even need to opt in. You can either go straight to iTunes and search for Sales Marketing Profit in the podcast directory or else go directly to the download page here and he links to our first episode. These two are the real deal. There's a distinct lack of hype around both of them that I, that I admire immensely. Please go check it out. You'll be really happy you did. Have a great weekend and drink responsibly. Beautiful. Matthew. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. So, Rockstar. Uh, by the way, MatthewKimberley.com. Uh, he's where to go to check him out, and he, his email newsletter is gold. Nice. All right. So basically, we've um, we've we've done a, a before and after case study. This is a, a real story. You can validate it with Greg anytime you want, and it's just an exciting window into the possibilities. And hopefully, this episode has resonated with you, our listener. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We're not going to labour on. We don't have a set time for these episodes. We set it according to how long it takes us. We go till it's done. Deliver the material. Well, I think the, the best way to end now is to set some action step homework. What could our listener do to get the best from this? And I'm going to, I'll kick this off with the first one is do you currently have the best domain name for your business that you can afford? Great question. What else have we got? I've got, have you, so how many, I don't know how many we want to do. I'm just going to restate what I said before because yeah, I think just, some of these. Yeah, are- summarize them here. Super cool. So number one, do you have a capacity problem? You know, James talked about the the um, capacity, capacity marketing, marketing seesaw. seesaw. Yeah, right. So right now, are you have you got capacity that you can market? If you can, focus on sales and marketing. If you can't, let's you know unblock the capacity block right now, so you're free to you know, free to grow. So if there's a capacity issue, what is it, and how do we negate it? You know, hopefully at least identify it by our next episode. Beautiful. And I'm going to say, what can you send your absolute best prospect, your A, triple A, the person you'd most like to be doing business with in the world. Yeah, to, identify to what your out. free T-shirt is and send it, send it, you know, one this week would be golden. Yeah. Let's leave it at that, my friend. Yeah, and then just hit us up hit us up with a comment. What would you learn out of this episode? And if you did send a free T-shirt, what would you send and what was the response? I guarantee you'll have a good story to share and I'd love to hear it in our yeah. next show. And we're having a great uh, conversation on our website at salesmarketingprofit.com. Yep. We have the ability to leave comments there. You can ask questions. Taki and I attend that. We do actually have a discussion. You can register your email if you want to find out when we publish a new episode. And we look forward to catching up with you on a future show. Mate, thanks so much. It was good fun. And uh, I think next next week I'm in the hot seat, so uh, let's do it. you gotta got to bring, bring the best you got. And uh, God, this, this is a really nice way to have a friendly competition. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. Just like we did with a couple of our friends in the podcast sphere when we went to number one. So, uh, mate, that was awesome, but I'm going to beat it next week. Uh, can't wait. I'll see you soon. See you, Taki. See you, dude. You're listening to SMP with James Schramko and Talkie Moore. Visit salesmarketingprofit.com.